I'm glad this morning that we're celebrating parenting and our baby dedications because exactly where we landed in Colossians today. It's amazing how God sets this up. We plan these series a year in advance, and it seems like each time we have a particular topic that we land on, God is doing something else in our midst. And those of us who are parents know that at times parenting can be really difficult. And at times it can be discouraging and at times it can be exhausting. But we also know that there are times of incredible joy and reward that God gives us. And we have the opportunity to make disciples of Jesus right in our own homes. And what a privilege that is. And children, children have a responsibility. It's amazing how we've kind of, we take our kids and we go, well, you can't really learn anything or know anything until you're of a certain age. But here, in the passage we're going to look at this morning, Paul commands children, has real citizens of the kingdom that have a will that can also help their families to thrive. And this morning, because most of our children are in children's programming around the building, We'll talk a lot about parenting in this passage, but also about adult children, how we can honor our parents, how we can be grandparents, uncles and aunts that are involved as well. And so we're going to learn today about obedience. We're going to learn today about sacrifice. And so parents, when you leave here today... I want you to understand that you have a unique and wonderful opportunity in front of you. It's a God-given opportunity. I want you to understand that God is with you. I want you to understand that there are days when you feel like, I can't do this, or I'm terrible at this. That God is saying, no, I've appointed you specially to do this. And so today, together, we're going to learn to Love, and we're going to learn to lead, and we're going to learn how to obey God so that we can help our homes thrive, so we can make disciples, and we can reflect Jesus Christ to the world. So take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to go into the book of Colossians, chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 20, page 984, if you want to grab that Bible on the seat rack in front of you. You can also download your Ridgewood app. Just open that up. Just click on the the media. Take it through to the study guide to today's date. So this is an amazing, straightforward passage. Paul wants our homes to thrive. He knows that we have opportunities to shape our families, to shape our children To be Christ followers, at least to the best of our ability, so that they can move through their lives and make more and more Christ followers. But Paul also knows that our homes can be a place of friction and difficulties. And left unattended, there can be long-lasting life hurts. And so Paul is telling us this morning, listen, I want you to be Christ's followers, but in order to do that, this is how you act in your home. And today it's about obedience, and it's about love. It's about leading well. And we're going to see that now in verse 20. We both have a responsibility, children and parents, and here it is in 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 
Now, we parents would like to just stop right there. Fortunately, verse 21 puts the responsibility back on us. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Obey your parents. Don't provoke your children. It's amazing how God, as He inspired these men to write His Word, how to the point and full of truth it is, and how it absolutely transcends cultures and time periods. Because the same things are happening in this time period so are happening in our culture, and so we need to pay attention to what he's telling us here. Now remember, this is a, a practical living section. He's starting to wrap up the book of Colossians. And so what he did at the beginning is he refuted false teachers. So he said, listen, I've got to tell you about Jesus. And so he gave us this incredible doctrine of Christ. You know that Jesus is the creator of all things that created all entities for his own glory. That Jesus holds the universe together. False teachers were claiming that Jesus isn't sufficient for salvation. Claiming that Jesus is somehow subordinate to angels. And Paul's saying, no, that's crazy. Not only is he not subordinate to angels, he created angels for his own glory. And so he takes this idea of Christ and who he is and the sacrificial model of Jesus. And he lays it in now into practical living and into the home. And he said, listen, I've taught you who Jesus is. Now I want you to act like it, like you're a follower of Christ. Last week we talked about husbands and wives. Today it's parents and children. Next week it's slaves and masters. And you can just take that into our context. But all along it's this idea of sacrificial, godly leadership where you're watching out what's best for the other. Because that's exactly what Christ did. That's what Jesus is all about. And so that's what we're going to do this morning in the home regarding children and parents. So we start in verse 20, and he starts with children. And we're going to talk about children that are in the home, but we're also going to talk about adult children, how we can honor our parents. Or if your parents are gone, how you can help those in your sphere of influence honor their parents. So the, the real call here that we see in Scripture is... For children to honor and obey. And because our children are kind of spread around the building, we're going to really focus a lot on this honor today. The command here in the verse itself is children, obey your parents in everything. And these terms will help us understand exactly what that means. The word children is the Greek word techna or technon which is a general term for children of any age. But in this specific context, it means children that are at home under their parents' authority. The Greek for obey, as in obey your parents in everything, is a present tense imperative, which means it is to continue, be obedient, continue to be obedient. And so, as parents, we must understand that children have a part in this. They have a will. And we can teach them these things in love. So that they understand biblically what their role is. And it doesn't just have to be because I told you so. 
which is a good thing to say. At least I say it way too often. But we need to say because Jesus said so. Because the Bible said so. So that means even when I'm being not a very good father, this is your authority. And we see this idea of obedience taught all over Scripture. Of course, it's part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord God gives you. Honor your father and mother. Proverbs 1.8 Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. And on and on it goes. Clearly, scripturally, obedience is commanded. In fact, in the Old Testament, to not obey your parents was worth a death sentence. God takes this very seriously. Now, the Bible also instructs us that to obey our parents is just simply wise. To listen to our parents' instructions helps us to be free of being snared by the world. And in Proverbs 6, we see a passage that helps us in the context of not being snared by the adulterous woman or in our culture, maybe sexual lust or pornography or whatever, because we've listened. My son, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you are awake, they will talk with you. I love that. When they are awake, they will talk with you. And how many of you have had that experience where you're, you're facing a particular life situation and you can just hear that parental instruction or you can just see, like, I can just see my dad doing something. And even though he's not with us anymore, I can, I, can, I can see how he modeled Christ-like behavior. And I can say to myself, yeah, I, okay, I see that in my mind now. I can do that. Because he walked with God. And so we see this idea of obedience. And we can ask ourselves, so what does it look like for children to obey? Because there's all kinds of different parenting ideas. And there's all kinds of different parenting classes and and philosophies. And so this morning as we go through, I'm just going to try to give you some ideas. I am not a therapist, although I need therapy. I am not a, an expert parent. Just ask my children. But I've learned a few things along the way. And I, 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 I've studied the word. And so I'm just going to give you some ideas as we go along today. But regarding o- obedience, what does that mean? I think it means for a child... I think it means to obey the first time without arguing, without demanding. I think it means respecting the boundaries that the parent has put up in order to protect their children. God has given us boundaries. God has, God has given us ways of living in the Word that protect us from messing our lives up. That's all we're doing as parents. And so children need to respect those boundaries. I think it means... Living out a love for Christ toward parents, which is no different than living out a life toward any believer, a life of love for any believer that's demanded in Scripture. And then I think that it means humility. It means that children believe that their parents might know something about something, even when they're teenagers. Now, I'm in this beautiful place right now where my 11-year-old twins think I know something. And I know that in about two years, they're going to start believing I don't know anything. So I'm going to take advantage of it right now. 
But there, there needs to be a sense of humility, just like in our relationship with God. A sense of humility, saying, you know, I don't know anything compared to you, God, so I submit to you because you love me. John Calvin, the great theologian, I love how he puts this, if you can just work through the English with me. In all things, therefore, that they may not refuse anything, however difficult or disagreeable, in all things, that in things indifferent they may give deference, deference to the station which their parents occupy. Give deference to the station which their parents occupy. In other words, respect that place. In all things that they may not put themselves on a footing of equality with their parents in the way of questioning and debating or disputing. That's John Calvin's definition of obedience as he worked through this passage. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, I really like that John Calvin. But you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And, And I think that as we work through as parents... We can understand that it's important to uphold these boundaries. So that's for children under our authority. But what about adult children? That's most of us here. What is our role with our parents anymore? How do we honor them? Because the Bible is clear that we are to honor our parents. In that Exodus passage, we see the idea of honoring. Paul, in this parallel passage in Ephesians 6 pulls from that Old Testament passage and tells us, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Honor your father and mother. And so we may not be under the authority of our parents, but we can honor our parents. Even if our parents are gone, We can help others honor their parents. We can teach our children to honor their parents. And so what does it look like to honor your parents as an adult child? Again, just thoughts and ideas. First of all, I would say be thankful for them. Be thankful for your parents. Now, some of you had really bad parents. I understand that. Some of you look back on your childhoods and you say, like, they they totally messed me up. And I'm not trying to speak into that. I, I, I don't understand that. But what I can say is that we can be thankful for our parents because that's who God gave to us. Secondly, we can communicate regularly with our parents. There is a loneliness that comes with aging. There's an isolation. There's this feeling that I don't matter anymore. That I don't have anything to offer anymore. And when we communicate, that's eased. We can also ask for advice from our parents. Just because we're not under their authority doesn't mean they still don't have something to give back. I think our culture is so, so wrong to just disregard the wisdom that comes with age. When you read leadership books, you're constantly reminded about how some cultures, Asian cultures specifically, are, are, are letting their CEOs work till they're in their 70s and 80s because of the incredible wisdom that they give back. There's a sense of honoring those who have gone before because they can look back and help. If you don't have a mentor, find one. Because there's an incredible amount of wisdom and your parents can be that for you. And then pray for them. Pray for them. 
I've got my mother on my prayer list every morning. I'm not always sure what to pray, but I can pray for her health. I can pray that she won't be lonely. I can pray as she works through her new stage of life. And then I would say you can honor your parents by simply encouraging them. Boy, encouragement from a child means so much. And then this one, this is me again. This isn't the Bible, okay? But I think it's important to tell them the truth. And here's what I mean by that. This is what I experience a lot when I'm in hospital rooms or, or dealing with families that are dealing with aging parents. Don't t- ever tell mom that. Why? Because that'll crush her. I'm not sure that's really the right thing to do. I'm not sure that's honoring. I think, I think that a way we can honor our parents is by being truthful with what's going on around them so they can be prayerful, so they can give back. And if it hurts them, then that's God's way of, of helping them. Don't treat them like they're this thing you have to work around. And then finally, I would say, take care of them always. And, and many of you, you are already doing that in amazing ways, taking care of your parents that are ill And I admire that so much. And many of us are going to face that at some point. So we can honor our parents. We are to obey when we're in the home. We are to honor when we are adult children. And then verse 20, here's the why. For this pleases the Lord. The reason we take this seriously, the reason we learn to love, the reason we learn to lead, the reason we want to obey God is because it pleases God. And so honoring and obeying is God-pleasing behavior. It's not to try to gain something. It's not to get into the will. It's not because we want to have a great life. It's because this is what pleases God. And to have a biblical worldview, we learn to live a life that is scriptural because we know this is what God wants for us. In Matthew 3.17, there's that wonderful record of the baptism of Christ. And there's this voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Why is He pleased with His Son? Because His Son, Jesus Christ, respected His Father. He obeyed His Father. He did His Father's will. He came and He embraced the cross, not because He was thrilled about going through that process, but because it pleased His Father. And we can see that over and over again in His ministry. Father, if you could just have this cup, take it from me, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so no wonder at his baptism, his father is saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The reason that we obey is because it's God pleasing. It's reflective of Christ. It's because when non-believers hang around our home or they see us at a baseball field or in a dance studio, wherever it is, they can see a Christ centered home, not a perfect home. Please don't try to be perfect. I don't like people like that because there's no such thing. So then we all freeze up when we're with you. Oh, I can't believe my child did that. Well, every child does that. Here's the thing. If we want to learn to love and obey, then we need to learn to, to 
love our children and our parents well. Otherwise, we can't love God well. And so many times in the Bible, we see this this correlation between loving people well and then loving God well through that. And if we aren't loving people well, then we're not really loving God well. So if you're at home, we submit to parents. If you're not under authority, we honor parents because it pleases the Lord. And before we move on to parents, I'm going to put one caveat here, just like I did for husbands and wives. Children should never, ever violate their conscience to obey their parents. If they are ever put in a position where there's sexual abuse or danger, a child should always ask for help. And so don't ever put your kids in that position. All right, let's get to parents now. Here's the call to parents. Do not provoke or discourage your child. Don't provoke or discourage your child. Look at verse 21 again. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Do not provoke your children. Boy, this is, this is, we're going to find out what that means, but immediately I started thinking of, about my own parenting. And I started thinking, oh, oh goodness, this is not going to be a fun study. And there were things I pulled out that I really need to work on. But in that parallel passage again, we see that Paul is talking about this in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see how that Christ-centeredness is all over this. Now, what, is it, what does all this exactly mean? There's a negative and there's a positive here. The negative command is, don't provoke your children. Don't do it. Because they'll be embittered. If, if you look at the language here, the word fathers is patrus, which could be translated as parents, and is translated as parents in Hebrews 11.23. Parents do not exasperate your children. So it's not necessarily fathers, it's parents. Parents, don't exasperate your children. And exasperate here means to stir up, to provoke, to irritate. So I think that can be pushing buttons, demanding obedience, trying to control, nagging. And all of these things cause our children to lose heart. And that's tragic. Because we want our children to thrive. And, and that's the positive result. If we, if we obey this command, then our children can thrive. And we want them to thrive. We want them to walk with Christ. We want them to soar. But, but the negative outcome here is to leave them without courage or spirit. We don't want that. We want them to thrive. And so instead of badgering them, we can praise them. Instead of disciplining them harshly, we can discipline them with, with a constructive learning experience. We can do what Paul said. We can train them up in the instruction of the Lord. But here's, here's one thing I'm going to say about that. We can't do that if you're not in touch with the Lord. So you can't just all of a sudden pull a rabbit out of your Christian hat 
and go, oh, yeah, that's right. We're supposed to follow some Bible rules. So let's lay them down in our home. If you're not walking with Christ, you know what your kids are going to see? They're going to see hypocrisy all over it. That's why so many kids, when they graduate high school, they disappear because their parents brought the Bible in, but never lived it. And I, I will say this. That if you are walking with Christ, if you are spirit filled, if you have a desire to to humble yourself before Christ, that that loving, nurturing discipline will will flow out of you much more naturally than if you're trying to force it and you're not really walking with God. So before you do anything, get yourself right with God. We all love our children. We love our nieces. We love our our, our nephews. We love our grandchildren. And we're always going to make mistakes. So we're not talking here about perfection. Because again, there is no such thing. Isn't it amazing how you have a bad day? And the first thing Satan does is, oh, you're the worst parent that ever lived. How can you show yourself at church on Sunday? Meanwhile, in almost every other home in your church, they're saying the same thing. Which is why we need to be in community so we can encourage each other. So here's are some things that we can do to avoid discouraging our kids. Don't discourage your kids by showing favoritism. This is a disaster waiting to happen. See Jacob, see Esau, see Joseph. Don't show favoritism. Don't discourage your children by refusing to listen to their point of view. You're always right. They're always wrong. That's a recipe for discouragement. Talk to them. Now, you may, you may decide that they're, no, that's not appropriate. I don't agree with you, but listen to what they're saying to you. They're smart. I was having this talk with my son Joshua. He's 11. And we were talking about some social issues. And the kid starts rattling off these biblical arguments. And I went, wow. Like, there's a lot going on there that I don't, I don't really understand. Don't discourage your children by refusing to show affection toward them. You know, we always think it's the good old days, like, you know, those of you who are old enough to remember Father Knows Best and those kind of shows where the, the dad came home with the black suit and the, and the black tie. I don't know, they didn't have any color shirts, I guess, then. White shirts with the pen thing here. And then he'd come home and shake his son's hand like, hey, yeah, how was your day? Good. Good, son. I'm not really sure that's the good old days. Kids need to be hugged. They need to have you, ruff, you know, ruffle up their hair. Even teenagers need to be hugged. Even when they cringe, they need to be hugged. Don't discourage your children by constantly criticizing them. That will drive them toward despair. And even worse, as they grow up, they're going to have a hard time accepting the love of the father because their father was constantly critical. And then lastly, don't discourage them by laying down harsh discipline that doesn't fit the crime. So let's talk now. Conversely, how can you encourage them? Here's some ideas for you. First, teach them about Christ. Don't just teach them Bible verses. Don't just teach them Bible stories. Connect it together. Teach them about the cross. Teach them about atonement. Teach them about inherited sin. Teach them about heaven and hell. Teach them about the war that they're in as Christians. Teach them doctrine. Teach them the Bible. And then model Christ for them. Because if you teach them the Bible and don't model it, it's not going to work. Pray for them. 
pray with them. Say a blessing over them every day. You know, no matter how... So my kids are still 11, so I can still do this. No matter how bad the day's been, no matter how lousy a parent I, I have been, and there are days when I'm sure they're shopping around for another father, when, in fact, my, my son Reagan the other day goes, you know, my dad's a good dad, but not the best dad. I'll take that as a compliment. So, but no matter how bad it's been, I can still stop at the end of the day and I can bless them. I can say, God, thank you for making this child like you did. Thank you for the, 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 the amazing gifts you've given this child. Thank you for the plan you have for them. I believe in this child. And you can just lay a blessing on them. Then I would say you can encourage them by taking an interest in their stuff. You may have no idea what Fortnite is. You may have no idea or character that's in Teen Titans Go. You may not understand YouTubing, but they do. So take an interest. Say you're sorry when you mess up. There's no room for pride in the Christian home. You're going to screw up. You're going to say things you regret. You're going to do things that are offhandedly wrong. So just say you're sorry. Kids are amazingly resilient to that. Yeah, okay, Dad. Let's go get ice cream. You know, say you're sorry. You know what you're doing? You're modeling that for them that they can take for the rest of their lives. And then here's something I think is really important. Fight for them. Fight for them. Fight for their purity. Fight for their soul. Don't allow Satan to have his way with them. Keep your house pure. Protect their hearts. Even when they're wrong. Let them know you're going to be in their corner. You're going to help get it straight and you are on their side because they are being attacked. So fight for your children. Acknowledge when they do things right. And even more important than that, don't expect them to be perfect. Isn't it amazing how the Bible says all have sinned to come short of the glory of God? And we think, oh yeah, but not my child. So when they sin, we go, my child sinned. Well, of course. So, Take it in stride. Put a consequence down, forgive them, and move on. And so here's what I want to leave with you, though, and I think this is really important. I want you to know that you can do this. That you can be the kind of parent, grandparent, uncle and aunt that can help kids to thrive. And I know there are days when you don't feel like you can do it. I know there are days, those of you who have been a single parent, you wake up and you just think, there's no way I can do this another day. I know I felt like that. I know Wendy has felt like that before. And so I just want to finish by reading a blog to you from Chad Hange, who is our chairman of our board here. Ch- Chad is also a parenting coach with Connected Families. He's really wise. I've heard him speak, and we've talked over coffee, and he's just got a ton of wisdom regarding parenting. And I just want to read this blog. It's not very long, but it is an encouragement, I hope, to you that God is with you, and you can be the kind of parent that will help your child thrive. And walk with Christ. This is the blog. There are some mornings when I wake up with a knot in my stomach and questions on my mind. Maybe you've been there too. Or questions and worries nag you while you're trying to sleep at night. The questions go something like this. Am I doing this parenting thing right? Are my kids going to follow Christ? Are they going to be okay? 
There are any number of things that can trigger these questions. They can come from a disrespectful tone, a sour attitude in my child's response, sibling conflict, or my own grumpy and sinful disposition. If left unchecked, those questions, those thoughts can start me on a negative downward spiral. One thing I'm quite sure of is this. I am not a very good parent when I parent from a place of fear and anxiety. My mind wanders. And I envision worst case scenarios where typical child and teen behaviors turn into juvenile delinquency. I become accusatory instead of inquisitive. Listen to that sentence. I become accusatory instead of inquisitive, suspicious instead of supportive, negative rather than affirming. That's not the parent I want to be. And sometimes I cry and beat myself up and wonder how God will ever redeem the mistakes I've made. And then, in my place of brokenness and desperation, I hear God calling me back to himself. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It is here that I can rest. It is here that I find the antidote for what ails me. Paul wrote this letter from prison, his own future uncertain, to believers who were in difficult circumstances themselves. His words are telling, I trade my anxiety and fear into God as I pray and rejoice. He then replaces it with peace that protects my heart and mind in Jesus. And when my heart is filled with that peace, the days always go better. You can do this because you have the power of Christ in you. So I just pray that God blesses your home as you fulfill the role that God has for you, as you learn to obey and as you learn to lead and as you learn to love like Christ. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for truth. Thank you that there's something we can go to that helps us, that is not changing by the moment flexing with culture, it is something that we can stand on. And God, I just pray that our children would be protected from the enemy. I pray, God, that we would learn how to develop homes that are Christ-centered and honoring, and that through us that you will create generations and generations and generations of Jesus followers. And I pray this in your name. Amen.